All right. You have your Bibles this morning. I thank you, Lord, for all the good singing. And would you pray for me this morning? I didn't really, to be honest with you, uh, know how the Lord would lead and direct for this service. And uh, about par for the course, Brother Shane's been opening the door for me pretty good about every morning the last few Sundays that he stood and uh, opened the service in devotion. And uh, this morning will be no different. And I believe that the Lord has no doubt ordered the message for this morning. The Lord woke me up in the middle of the night several times this morning uh, with this on my heart. And uh, I got up this morning and just prayed and talked to the Lord and felt like this is what the Lord would have us to do. Now, if you've never been where I'm at, and I'm nobody and I'm not doing anything grand or glorious. But if you've never been where I'm at and uh, looking at a message and wondering, Lord, what are you thinking? It's a little bit of a, of a trying situation uh, to have to stand and give something that you don't know uh, to yourself that makes a lot of sense to you for the uh, people that you're going to be speaking to. But the Lord knows what we need, and uh, without Him, we will fail. And so we're just going to give you what the Lord's placed on our heart and trust that this is what God has ordered for the service this morning. If you will, stand with us and open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter number 2. 1 Kings chapter number 2. And we're going to start our reading in verse number one. So 1 Kings chapter number two and verse number one, the Bible starts with this thought, says, Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon, his son, saying, Now this is a dying man to his son. I want you to think about that. You and I say a lot of things to a lot of people. But if you had but one thing left to say, I want you to think about what it is that you would have to say. Now that's how important this message is this morning. It seems as if this thought may just be a passing thought, but there's seriousness what I'm about to preach to you this morning, okay? And so this dying man to his living son, who is also uh, taking the throne that his father had set on. There was a lot of seriousness, a lot of things, a lot of responsibility, a lot of stuff that Solomon was going to have to do, and his dying father had this to say. He said, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the word of God. We thank you for the truth in the scripture. And God, we ask this morning that you would help us just a little while. Lord, my heart's been stirred by the singing. And Lord, to be honest with you, I just, just the, the peace. Oh God, the peace this morning in uh, knowing that the message that we're about to preach was ordered by you and given to us. And Lord, we didn't have to ponder or wonder or dig or scratch out through the surface to find out what to preach, but God, you give it to us. And I ask that in the same clarity that you give it to me, God, that I would be able to portray it to your people. And in the same heart in which I received it from you, they would be able to receive it this morning and apply it to their life and be better for it. We know the word of God will always help us and correct us and lead us and show us where we need correction and 
and move us forward in the right direction. And this morning, for just a little while, we ask God that you do in this service what we cannot do for ourselves, and that is a touch of the Holy Spirit this morning. Please say the sinner near his tail, convict hearts, we do pray. Help homes, we do ask. Be with the downtrodden in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, it's interesting to me that a dying man, that he is a living son, who had such responsibility as Solomon was fixing to have that David chose this to say to him. And so what we find here is verse number two, David says to him, his son, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me saying, if thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. So a relationship that David had with God, there was some things that God had warned David about and talked to David about. And David is fixing to die and David is doing one thing. He's imparting the same things that God had given him. And he's given those things to his son. There's a lot of things you and I could say to a lot of people. There's a lot of things that you and I could say to one another. But at the end of the day, David is having to choose the most important thing that he could ever tell his son that was not only his offspring, but also the king of Israel. And you need to understand here that what is happening is David knows that there's something that his son Solomon needs more than anything above all else. And that is the direction of God on his life. And so I would this morning that you would understand that David is telling his son here, he says, be thou strong. In other words, you're going to be a leader. You're a leader. You've taken a position of one that has to take folk and direct them and lead them and guide them. And I've said this before, and I want to drive this home if I can this morning. You, if you're a man in the sound of my voice this morning, uh, you may one day have a family. If you have a family now, you are the leader of that home. And I want you to understand that as a pastor of the church, I'm supposed to lead and help direct and feed the flock of God. And the Lord is our leader. The Lord is our example for that of leadership. And so as David is warning his son about that of leadership, he's pointing and directing Solomon to that of the Lord. If you and I are going to be leaders, if you and I are going to be what God expects us to be, if you and I are going to lead our families in the right direction, our church in the right direction, our children in the right direction, we will always have to point them towards the Lord. 
There's nothing else more important, Brother Gene, than to take a child and point them in the direction of God. And listen to me. Israel, Brother Shane, was depending on Solomon to be more than just a king, more than just a dictator. Listen, anybody can dictate a family. Hey, you may be the man, you may pull your britches up tight and uh, cinch your belt up and lace your boots up and you're the dictator. That don't make you a leader, friend. Hey, now listen, I could get up here behind the pulpit and, and stand for a little while until everybody caught on to what was happening, you know, and uh, dictate and lead and tell people what we were going to do and how we were going to go. But that would not make me the leader God called me to be. And so being a dictator and being a leader isn't the same thing. But what I want you to notice is, is this little phrase here in verse 2 says, I go the way of all the earth. So in other words, uh, Romans 5.12 says, For where for is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all sin. In other words, David says, I'm going to do what everybody's going to do. I'm going to die, and we'll go to the earth. Every one of us has got a day out in the future or a moment in time out of the future where we are going to lay down and die. We're going to draw our last breath. You know what's important? That our offspring, that our church, that our children, that our family follow the ways of God. There's nothing else that even gets close to being that important. But then he says this. He says, be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. Now here's what I want you to see. Anybody that walks along uh, down and sees Solomon is automatically going to know the gender of Solomon. There's no doubt that when you walk by King Solomon that you would know that King Solomon was a male. He had the physical, uh, the, the physical look of being a male. But David said this. He said, show thyself a man. And I'm afraid that what a lot of people consider a man today isn't God's biblical definition of what a man truly is today. And we have a famine in this land and a famine in our churches and a famine in our families and homes for what a real man really is today. And my heart to you, if God would help me this morning, would just be to define to you what God calls a man, and then we'll go home, okay? So here's what I want you to see. David was Solomon's daddy, but he had also been Solomon's king. And Solomon understood what his son needed from that of a father, but he also understood what he needed from that of a king. And the king told his son, who was King Solomon, to be a man. Now, if you will, turn with me with that thought to Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter number 11. And I, I desire your prayer this morning. This has been heavy on my heart. Matthew chapter number 11. And the Bible says here in verse number one, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? 
Jesus answered and said unto him, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, we understand here, this is not, this is not really contextually where I'm headed, but let me pause for this moment and make a statement. We know what's going on in John's life. John's fixing to lose his head. John is in prison for preaching. John is in prison for his beliefs. And John has had some questions that's come up in his heart because of the troubles and trials that has come in his life. And he's just needed some reassurance. But Jesus uh, tells the disciples, go back to John and show John again. Tell John the things that you see and do here. But then, then Jesus, after he talks to the disciples of John and sends them back to John to talk to John about the things which they've seen and heard, he then addresses the crowd. And I want to look at for just a moment what he says here. He says in verse 6, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John. So I believe that Jesus was talking and dealing with the multitudes when the disciples rush in and come to Christ and say, hey, we got a problem. John needs an answer to a question. And so he, in front of the multitude, expresses his answer to the disciples. Then as they leave to take that message back to John, he turns and talks to the disciples about what has just happened. So as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what went he out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind. But what went he out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Now I want you to take notice of that with me for just a moment. Jesus is saying, uh, that, and listen, I want to say this to you this morning. Jesus was a rugged man. Jesus was a man who didn't have nowhere to lay down his head, head at night. He was that of a carpenter. And listen, you don't have to be a carpenter to be a man, but I'll say this to you. Christ didn't have, uh, the, 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 he had a ruggedness, a work ethic. A, he, he worked for a living. I mean, you go down there and shake Brother Shane's hand this morning, it's like shaking hands with sandpaper because he works with his hands. And what I'm saying is Jesus was that of a rugged man, but he says to that about the kings, he says, he says this, he says, a man clothed in suffering, behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. In other words, they were wanting to look at John as if John might have been whiny. Or John had uh, might have got uh, turned into some kind of sissy and was crying to God, to Jesus, about what was going on. And he said, what have you come down here to see? A man in soft clothes? And he was relating, if you will, to that of a, a soft clothed person, a king, if you will. Somebody that's in the king's house wearing soft clothes. You know, they don't have to work hard and they don't have a lot going on in their life. You know, from a laborist standpoint, uh, they are served as that of a king. But what do we find here? I love this because David, being a king, understanding the life that a king lives and the things that come to that of one that lives in the king's household. David warned Solomon before he dies. Solomon, show thyself a man. More than just uh, looking like that of the male gender, Solomon, you have some attributes in your life that shows that you are a man. 
And so I think that is very important that we understand that. Now, Job 38 and 3. We were talking about Job just the other day in service. I think it was on Sunday night. And we were talking about how Job had come up against, no doubt, a very hard time. And that Job was struggling in his life with some problems that were affecting him, not only physically, uh, not only financially, but emotionally and spiritually. He was having a hardship and a struggle. And we understand that Job tried to keep his footsteps in the way of the Lord in spite of all this. But he did say that there were some things that if he could get a hold of God, he'd like to say. And then we find when you get over into the later chapters that God does indeed get into Job's presence. But Job can only put his hand on his mouth, Brother Gene, and say, I am but vile. He didn't have that attitude. But I want you to notice what the Lord says to Job in Job 38.3. He says, gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. You know, I have, I have sympathy where Job is concerned. I look at Job's life. I look at people that have failed, that have not gone through anything close to what Job has gone through and give up the fight. And Job, even in his, in his willingness to try to stay with God, he allowed his attitude to get such that, uh, that, that wasn't exactly right. If I could get a hold of God and say some things to God, I got some things I'd say. And we know that his attitude wasn't right because when he got before God, he didn't say the things that he thought he was going to say. Can I say to you, listen to me this morning, something that makes you a man has a lot to do with your attitude and how you react and how you deal with that of God. Listen to me, it's more than just the male a body. It's more than just the physical plumbing of an individual. You need to understand that this morning. He says, gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. In other words, he's, and listen, gird is to clothe, to dress, to bind to my surrounding. And to bind is to tie together, to confine or constrain. So I do want to say this in this context. He's saying, you're going to have, I got some questions myself I want to ask you, Job. But he says, gird up now thy loins like a man. In other words, dress like a man. Look like a man. Talk like a man. Walk like a man. I got some questions that I'm going to ask you, Job. You want to come to me with questions? Let's talk. Let's reason together. Where were you when I formed the world? So in other words, if you want to act like a man, Job, and come to me like a man, then let's gird up like a man and let's talk. And I want to say this, that we need to be men before God. And we need to understand that God is not here just for our beck and call. But God was had some questions for Job as well. So I want to say this, when you consider that of a man, oh yeah, we need to dress like men, talk like men, and walk like men. There's very much so. Yes, sir. So let me say this, 1 Corinthians 16 and 13. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 16 for just a minute. Read you a verse of scripture here. First Corinthians 16 and 13 says this. Watch ye. Now this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. But he's addressing the men. Now notice that. That's very important. When we look at the, this, this, this letter that was written from Paul to the church of Corinth, he's addressing the church. 
But he's also specifically dealing with the man in verse number 13. Why is that? Because the men are leaders. You need to understand that. Oh, listen, you can look at me today and say, oh, he's the pastor. He needs to live a certain way. And I should. And I am supposed to be the leader, the one that, that, uh, that listens to God and helps direct and feed the flock. But the flock, friend, is made up of homes which have leaders within those homes. And as a leader of your home, you have responsibility to the direction of your household. And so Paul is writing to the church, but he has something specific to say to the leaders in the church. I got news for you. There's a bunch of leaders in here today. It ain't just me today, friend. There's a whole lot of leaders in here. You say the women may be wiping their brow this morning going, oh, this this is good. This don't affect me. This is for the husbands. Well, it's coming to you in just a minute. Just hang on. Because mamas raise little boys. And I'm afraid that mamas have lost the understanding of what it is to raise men in the day and age in which we live in. So the Bible says, watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Now to stand fast is refusal to back down. It's to hold firm, to take a solid stand. And so Paul's saying here, watch ye stand fast. Watch ye simply means to pay attention. Oh, can I say we have an adversary today? You understand that. We're to pay attention to the adversary. We're to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Satan wants to destroy our church and our homes. So Paul's warning the men. He says, watch ye. And then not only watch, but stand fast. Listen, I'm afraid what we've got today, people, is just watching it fall, but we're not standing fast trying to do anything about it. it says, watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. How many people do you know who once took a stand for the gene for God? I'm talking taught Sunday school, mounted the pulpit, preached for years. They've not stood in the faith. They've let something come up in their life that's taken them out of the way and they are no longer doing what God called them to do. Even men of God are falling right now for you. It's a shame. It says stand fast. And I'm not above it. And you're not either. That's why we've got to stand fast and pay attention. It says stand fast. Which is a refusal to back down to hold firm. To take a solid stand. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. So we're not to back down. But what are we not to back down from? The faith. What is the faith? Uh, the faith is the ascent of the mind or understanding to the truth of God. We have to be men. We walk like men. We talk like men. We gird ourselves up like men. But more than just that, more than just the physical appearance, we must show ourselves, like David told Solomon, show thyself a man. In other words, make proof that you are what you are. And so he says, watch you stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Now, quit you in the Bible means to conduct yourself in a specified way. It doesn't mean to stop. It means to conduct in a specified way. So watch you stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Conduct yourself like men. Brother Gene, I can put my clothes on and I can gird up and I can have the anatomy of that of a male. I can fix my clothes up to look like that of a male. But unless I stand fast in the faith, unless I stay in that book, 
Unless I follow God, according to a biblical definition of a man, I am falling short of being a man, but I think that I am. You know, there's a lot of people today that think because they got arms that big around and they wear a shirt that's two sizes too small, so everybody can see every curve on their actual uh, body, that they are something to be seen and to be dealt with. Can I remind you, Goliath was a whole lot more man than David was. But he wasn't anything compared to David because David had that I want to tell you something. There's more than just this idea of what one looks like to be a man, but there's something that has to go along with it, friend, today. And so the Bible says, watch you stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men, be strong. Then it says, let all your things be done with charity. Now let me, let me pause right there because charity is love today, friend. Listen to me. There's a lot of men got no love in their heart. They don't show any love to their family, don't show love to their wife, don't show love to their church, don't show no love at all. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to shed a tear because I'm not, I, that ain't manly. Friends, showing love and having charity is manly today. And when you don't have the Lord dealing with your heart enough to prick your heart and deal with your heart in the right direction for those that are following you, you better check up on yourself because you're not being the man that God wants you to be. Say, so, well, why is this important today? Because men being leaders are leaders for a reason. Leaders bring up people to become leaders. David was a leader who brought up one that became a leader. Listen, Solomon was a boy at one time. David was a boy at one time. But he turned into a man. And what we're doing today is we need to raise up a generation of men again. And we don't even know what that definition is anymore in the United States of America. And we don't define it by government. We don't define it by Washington. I don't define it by the Senate or Congress. I define it by the Word of God. And what God says to man is what a man is today, friend. And if you want to be a man today in the sight of God and be the man that God's called you to be, you're going to have to find out what the Bible says about being a man. And we can stick our head up and pooch our chest out and flex our muscles and walk around with the worst attitude that there ever was. And that don't make you a man today, friend. And let me say this, it won't do nothing for your wife or your children. It won't do nothing for your church today, friend. Crying or having a tear in your eye because you're worried or concerned about the spiritual well-being of your family does not make you a sissy. Jesus Christ, friend, give me a spot. Hey, listen to me now. Jesus Christ laid down his life and he had the ability to bring it up again. And just because, just because he let them beat him, and just because they plucked his beard, and just because they played a crown for him and mashed it upon his head, and just because they broke nails in his hands and feet, does not mean that he was not a man because he could not take care of himself. It meant that he loved you and he loved me more than he loved himself. And when you start loving people more than you love yourself, then friend, you can say that you're on your way to being a man. There's more to being a man than just the male gender. Some would say, and the idea of a man today in our nation, some would say a man is a grown male. I want you to understand that's not necessarily so. Because the Bible has a lot to say about the attributes of the male gender. Now let me say to you quickly, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16 for just a minute. I want to show you something uh, concerning the definition of a man. 
First Samuel chapter number 16. Now we understand uh, concerning First Samuel chapter number 16 that uh, David has been anointed king, all right? And we understand that Samuel uh, asked Jesse after they'd gone through all of uh, Jesse's sons except for David if he had a son left. And we understand that uh, David was left out in the field with his sheep and Jesse didn't call him forth to be seen of Samuel because Jesse didn't think that he hadn't been took to be what uh, this, this uh, Samuel, what Samuel was looking for. Even his own daddy didn't think that, that he had the physical attributes. I mean, the, phys- the physique, if you will, of that of a, uh, of a grown male gender to do what it was that Samuel was looking for. Samuel was just trying to be obedient to God. Let's, let's look at what God was looking for. All right, so we see here in verse 12, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise and on him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp. And it shall come to pass, when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. Now let me say this. I don't find anywhere in here where, where David was a, was a quarterback. I don't, I don't find him tackling a bunch of people. Matter of fact, he played an instrument. He played an instrument. And he played it well. And now let's look on here. It says, And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man. Look here now. Saul's wanting a man. He says, And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing. Listen here now, look, a mighty, valiant man and a man of war. David had never fought in a war. Now you need to pay attention to this real close because this verse of scripture does not get called out very often concerning that of David. We look at David as a small little ruddy boy and he is. But notice this servant of Saul is telling King Saul who's asking for a man that he knows where to find one. And he says, Then actually one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty, valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Do you notice this servant has taken notice of some things about David's life that has caused Saul's servant to define David as a man, a mighty, valiant man, a man of war who had never fought in a war before. Now pay attention to that because when we move forward here over to 1 Samuel chapter number 17, move that with me quickly, 1 Samuel 17, verse 31. The Bible says, and when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul and he sent for him. So it's going to be another meeting. Now notice this with me. David has already met Saul. Saul asked for a man to play. 
The servant of Saul said, I know just the man that you need. But when this man meets King Saul the second time, King Saul defines David. The servant defined him to Saul. Now Saul is about to define him in the word of God. Let's look at what Saul has to say about David. He said, and when the words were heard which, which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now I want you to understand, David knows what this Philistine is all about. David is willing, even though David is small, even though David is a, is a ruddy youth, David's willing to fight. Part of being a man, Brother Gene, is just being willing to fight and lay it out there on the line when it's time to lay it out there on the line. And sometimes being a man is doing it all by yourself when nobody else wants to go with you, when nobody else understands, and when nobody else even cares, you might have to stand alone. But being a man, the kind of man that God wants you to be, will cause not only you to prevail, but all those that watch you Fight the battle alone. Now notice here. Verse 33 says, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth. Can I say to you, you don't have to be 18 years old to be a man. It's about an attitude. It's about training. It's about being willing to follow God and do what God wants you to do when nobody else will. This young boy right here didn't even have the physique that King Saul had. Saul was a big man, Brother Gene. Saul was a tough man. Saul was a man that was ripped, if you'll let me put it that way. And so what I'm saying is when you compare David to, to Saul, we ain't even talking about comparing him to Goliath right now. We're talking about comparing him to King Saul. Saul was scared of Goliath. But when Saul looked at David, compared David to himself, he thought, you ain't no man. You're but a youth. You know what a lot of men are doing today? They're looking at other people and going, you ain't no man. You ain't got, you ain't half of what I am. I want you to know this morning, if you're not following God and following his book and following his word and leading your family, friend, in the ways of God, and you are the one that is taking the family by charge and leading them in the right ways of God, you are not being a man. And you are not being the man that God has called you to be. Since Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war. From his youth. He said, You don't even have the experience. You don't have the size. You don't have Jack Diddley squat, David. Let me tell you what happened here. Saul's servant seen something in David that Saul did not see himself. And Saul's servant told Saul when he wanted a man to come and play, he said, And a comely person and the Lord is with him. Do you know what made the difference in David being a man to one and not the other? was the fact that he had the Lord with him. You know what was hurting Saul all along? He left the Lord a long time ago. Listen, you cannot define somebody by their manliness, friend, based upon your standards of yourself. We define them by the word of God. And can I say, can I say to you, according to the flesh, according to what we looked at, when we determined who's a man and who's not, we looked at Goliath and we'd say Goliath is a whole lot more man than David was. And when we look at the flesh, we can agree with that. 
Listen, David, God completes the true definition of a man. You need to understand that. Your idea of a man, your idea of yourself. Let me say this for just a moment. Sometimes we get egotistical. Listen, I, I, I want to be the man of my house. But what defines me as the man of my house is not always what I think that it is. And, and so here's what I want us to understand this morning. God completes the true definition of a man. Goliath was a whole lot of flesh. Some would say a whole lot of man. But David, not nearly as much flesh, but David, a whole lot more man. See, there's a difference right here. David, let me say this, wasn't no sissy. David wasn't as big as Goliath. David wasn't as big as Saul, but David wasn't no wimp. I will say this, we don't need a bunch of sissy wimps today in leading families and homes. You're a sissy or you're a wimp, you're going to have a mess on your hands today. I'm not for sissy preachers. I'm not for sissy deacons. I'm not for sissy men of any kind. What I'm saying to you is this, we're going to have to have some men. David was willing to fight. You ain't got to be the biggest. Listen, my I was taught from a little child, there's always somebody bigger than you. Always somebody can stomp you in the grave. And it ain't about who's bigger. It ain't about who's stronger. It's about having God. Because you know what? I can do all things through Christ with strength in me. And if I follow the Lord and I let the Lord be my guide and my helper, then the Lord's the one that's taking charge. David didn't whip Goliath. David whipped Goliath with the power of God. And that's the difference. And being able to know that. Listen, we need more men. We need more men today. But more than that, we need bigger men today. David was bigger than Goliath, not in size, but in spirit. And he whipped Goliath because he had God. And you and I today need to be not just men, but bigger men than we were yesterday. Being bigger doesn't always mean winning, but it means you're willing to fight. Jesus Christ did not. He did not win against those that were plucking his beard and beating his face and ripping his flesh. But he was a bigger man because he'd given himself for a better cause. And I'll say this, sometimes you and I might have to give ourselves. It's amazing to me, Job went through all that he went through. All that Job went through. God said, gird up your horns like a man. God said, be a man. Would you not say Job was a man? Man, I would. But God didn't appreciate the attitude that Job had towards him. And when it come time to have conversations with Job, God knowing Job's heart, he said, gird up you, loins like a man. Now, I want to say this because here again, Brother Shane opened the door for all this this morning, okay? And he was considering in his devotion what Brother Mark Latham had preached on uh, during our meeting the other night for our New Year's Eve service. And Brother Mark had went to a verse of scripture uh, over in Ruth. And uh, let me find that real quick. Ruth chapter number one. Listen, and I, I ain't trying to be controversial this morning. And I ain't trying to berate on you men. I'm not. I'm not at all. I'm having to eat as much of this as anybody else. But I'm saying this, it's important. It's important today. We need to get back to real, we need to get back to reality. Not as we see it on this earth, but as we see it in scripture. But Ruth chapter number one, Bible said here, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah. Did you notice that? A certain man. Who went to sojourn? A certain man. A certain man. He says, uh, that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. 
he and his wife and his two sons. So after we know who's responsible for doing this, then we find out about the wife and the two sons. But do you know why the wife and the two sons go down to Moab? Because Elimelech led them down there. He was a leader. He was a leader. Let me tell you something. You don't have to be a good leader to be a leader. You are a leader. You know why? Because that's your position. Your God, listen to me this morning. Every one of us, our God-given position as men of our homes, as married husbands, is that a leader? You'll either be a good one or you'll be a bad one. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. If you're leading your home and you're not the man that Bible says that you ought to be, you are a bad leader. And you're in desperate need of God directing you. Because let me tell you what happened. Not some of the time, but all the time. You'll lead your family off to that before. So we find here that uh, Judah said, uh, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech. So we first and foremost, we see that there was a certain man that was responsible for getting his whole family and traipsing them off with them to Moab, a place where they had no business being. But we move to verse three. It said, and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And this is, this, is, this is what got me right here. And then Brother Shane, he had to say it this morning. He said, and she was left and her two sons. You know what happened after he, the bad leader, the one that wasn't a man according to God, led his family off to this far place that they should not have been at? He died. You know what David done when he talked to Solomon right before he died on his deathbed? He said, Solomon, show yourself a man. Be a man. Be a man. This man takes his sons to a place where they should not have been. And his sons end up dying in that far land. Do you know what scares me? Oh, listen to me now. What drastically scares me the most is that I would not be the man that God wants me to be. And I find that I've led my family off to Moab. And my kids are in Moab in a place where they don't need to be. And find out that not only I died in a place where I wasn't supposed to be, but that my children died in a place that wasn't supposed to be. And then, then to know after you're dead and gone that you've left them with a mess. Not only with a mess, but in a mess, all because you thought that you was the man. When in all reality, you wasn't nothing. We are nothing today apart from God. I don't care how big you are, how tall you are, how much money you make, how good looking you are, nothing else. You are not a man if you don't lead your family in the ways of God. And it's a guaranteed thing that you'll not only wind up in Moab, you'll take your wife to Moab, and you'll take your children to Moab. And when you get down in that place you shouldn't be, and it takes your life, you'll leave them, friend, in a mess. You know why we're in a mess today as a nation? You know why we're in a mess today as a church? You know why our homes are in a mess? Because all these men that weren't men led their families off to a place that they shouldn't be. And we've left a lot of times the women and the wives to have to take up the slack and be the spiritual person that tries to lead the family, tries to lead the church. And we want to even berate them at that point. So you ain't the man of this family. 
You ought not put them in a position to try to have to take up the slack that's yours to take. But I like this. My bless God for this. And I'll be done this morning. Psalms 16 and 6 says, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. You know what a heritage is? It's an inherited, immovable estate. It's something that's given to you, Brother Gene, that can't be moved. It's something, Brother Shane, that you inherit that no one can take away from you. Let me tell you something, friend. David on his deathbed wasn't worried about the ivory throne that Solomon was going to have covered in gold. David wasn't worried about all the things that Solomon were going to have of a monetary value. David wasn't concerned about Solomon's enjoyment in life. David said to him, he said, you're my son and you're the king and you, you show yourself a man with this great amount of power, with this, this, this plan of leadership that's been handed to you comes great responsibility. And I think a lot of times we love the title of being the man. We like the title of being the leader. We like the title of being the tough guy. In all reality, Brother Gene, we ain't nothing. David said, show yourself a man because with the job that you have comes great responsibility. Here's what I don't want. I don't want my wife in Moab. I don't want my children in Moab. I don't want to find that I've left this walk of life for the team to know that I've left my family in a mess because what's important is not what I leave them of monetary value. Oh, we should take care of them, friend. I know we should financially do what we can to make sure they're all right. But more than anything, I want my kids to be saved. I want my kids to die in heaven. I want my wife not to be left if I'm gone stuck in Moab trying to pick up the pieces to a broken family and a broken home because of the place that I led them to. It's not fair, it's not right, and it's not their place to have to do it. Do you have a goodly heritage this morning? Listen to me now. Can you listen and can you look and can you think about your life and what your folks tried to do for you and say, I have a goodly heritage. You, we can't all say that. We can't all say that, but I tell you what, you can start today being the man that the Bible calls you to be so that you can leave your children with a goodly heritage. Our children deserve it, friend. The Bible tells us and calls us to this. We must take charge of our families, our homes, our lives, and get a reality check today on what it is to be the man. Let me say this while I'm thinking about it, just so I don't forget it. If you're in the sound of my voice this morning and you have a mother who is trying to hold the pieces together to a broken home, where a daddy isn't doing what a daddy's supposed to do according to this book. You owe it to that woman to love her and pray for her and try to follow her and do not use what the daddy, that sorry woman, that won't do what he's supposed to do against that woman that's trying to do what God is expecting out of 
Let's all stand to our feet this morning. I am done. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know what you're going to do with the message this morning. I don't know fully who the message is for. I don't know what you need to be doing this morning. But if you need to come to this altar this morning, I wish you would. I wish you'd come. I wish you'd do business with God. I wish you would. Would you come this morning? Would you come this morning and do business with God? How are you leading your home? How are you leading your family? How are you uh, doing as a man right now? Are you being the man that God has called you to be? You say, preacher, shut your mouth. Preacher, I'm mad. Preacher, I'm angry. You don't have no business preaching that. You didn't have no breach of business talking to me like that. Friend, if you don't like what's been said this morning, you don't have a problem with me. You have a problem with God. You've got a problem with God's word. It ain't me that's causing you grief. It ain't me that's causing you problems. It's the word of God. Friend, I'd be scared to death to walk out of here having heard the word of God with my head held high stuck up against God because of my feelings towards him. Friend, I want you to understand someday God will help you. God will keep you out of Moab. Moab. God will help you. David done what he done because of God. When we realize, friend, that we're nothing, we're on track to being the man that God has called us to be. I wonder what, what you're going to do this morning with the message. Would you please come? Would you do business with God?